0: Chapter 3 of The Recording Angel by Edwin Arnold Brenholtz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, recorded by Andrew Bemis. The Quality of Mercy is Not Strained. Shakespeare This same Tuesday night, after Robert Endy's return from the neighboring city of Clyde, where he had been listening to one of the finest operas this country has ever heard, he came home early. That is to say as soon as the performance was over, for the music to which he had been listening was tunefully ringing in his ears and pulsing through every vein in his body, and he did not care to talk to anyone. Music was the tender spot in this man's character. He had a splendid voice and could also have been a brilliant performer on the piano, but he had now given all that up, for, as he said, a businessman has no time for it. He once replied to an invitation to attend a grand concert. No, thank you. I have to discharge and blacklist several men tomorrow, and I must be as hard as nails for the job. Setting his jaw firmly, he continued as if to himself. No music for me tonight, for they have got to go. However, that was in earlier days. As he opened the door to his father's house, where he had rooms which he usually occupied when not in his apartments in the city, he made a picture such as any parent's heart would have responded to. Tall, athletic, decidedly good-looking, with no sign of manual labor about him in any curve of his well-fed body, dressed in full evening suit, with a smile that brightened his face as he hummed a part of the opera which had particularly pleased him. Even Arndt would have enjoyed the picture, though he might afterwards have remembered it with bitterness, as only a drop more of gall added to the day's cup which this man had poured out for him and his friends. As he entered the hall, the old servant said, Mr. Roberts, sir, your father left word that he would be in the library and wanted to see you whenever you returned. Why, Rollins, said he, there is surely some mistake. My father is certainly in bed and asleep. It is long past midnight now. "'But Rawlins replied positively. "'Those were my orders, sir, "'and your father was wide awake in the library not so long ago, "'for he called me in and cautioned me not to forget the message.' "'Oh,' said Robert under his breath. "'If it must be, it must be, though I suspect,' "'he continued as he walked slowly along the beautiful hall towards the library, "'it isn't going to be pleasant for either of us.' "'Well, father,' said he as he entered the room whose walls as high as a man could reach were covered with cases of black walnut whose shelves were filled with books holding the accumulated wit and wisdom of the ages. "'Well, father?' as the older man looked up quickly. "'What is it?' "'Back, eh, Robert?' said his father. "'Yes, it is rather late for a talk, but I heard that you had some trouble at the works today, and I wanted to hear your version of it.' "'Certainly, sir,' said his son, but I expect that all you have heard is true. Charles Arndt was discharged for insubordination, and the retirement of Angus MacDonald and others was decided upon. His father said, you certainly have a way of presenting things baldly, if that is a merit. It was not so considered in my time. No, said his son, but that time is past, never to return. This is the day of young men and business methods." This big corporation can't be run on the same schedule as the little company from which it sprang. Arndt wanted me to treat him as if he were still my companion and friend. I've outgrown all that, long years ago. And even if I hadn't, still every man under me must obey every rule of the company. What has MacDonald done? interjected his father. As for MacDonald, he has served the company faithfully, but he is very well off, I am informed and is able to retire. Besides, he is getting on in life, and there are plenty of young men, with good ideas in their heads, who have had special training at just such work as he is doing. And Black, who will get his place, is the very fellow for it, young, energetic, with a wife and baby, and so not liable to go on a strike if he can help it. He is just the man, and besides, I can get Black to do exactly what I want done without any words wasted, while MacDonald would never forget that I learned the trade under him, and he would be apt to answer back or want to argue about it at best. Here his father broke in. Oh yes, I expect you could go on all night giving me very good reasons for what you have done or are determined to do. You are my own son. But where you got the merciless disposition you show these days passes my comprehension. Certainly, certainly not from your sainted mother. I am not blind to your faults, even though you are her child. You are a hard man. Under the head of good of the company, I fear that you are trying to get a little private revenge against the man who has been the lifelong friend of your father, simply because he insisted upon your learning your trade thoroughly. Here his son interrupted with the first sign of impatience he had shown. I beg your pardon, sir, said he, but I would like you to do me justice. I do not deny being a hard man. I am the result of conditions which I did nothing to bring about. I would willingly have business conducted as in your time when courtesies were extended even between rival houses, and when thought was taken for the welfare of the employees, and, in isolated instances, for their welfare as human beings but I have kept my eyes wide open, and I see the world over that the only stepping stone to success in the future is success in the present. Men like Laird and MacDonald, who take thought for the personal well-being of their subordinates, are very popular with the working men. But they have to give place to men like myself and Black, who will discharge a man whenever he violates the rule of the company, or whenever his work does not come up to requirement, no matter what the cause may be. Of course, it's bitterly hard for them to fail in life, but it's their failure or mine, and I am going to succeed, even if I have to do it by following strictly business principles and methods. Oh, of course, there are firms that employ women and who deal directly with the public who take some care of their employees. I've no objection whatever to that. It's for their interest to have them in the best possible physical condition, and it is good business if it pays. And a cheap advertisement, anyhow, and they find that it yields cash returns, or they would not do it. But I am handling men. The public does not know any more than we wish them to about what goes on in our mills. And as for Arndt, yes, broke in his father. As for Arndt, I know something about him personally, and he is a thoroughly able man in his department and a friend of McDonald's. And all I can say is that I am sorry for him if he has fallen under your displeasure, for I think you are a very hard man. Well, I'm no harder than business makes one, retorted his son. His father stopped him, saying, I made my money honestly without becoming hard. Yes, his son replied, but the foundation was laid before you were born by my grandfather's purchasing land for a mere song. And you had a good start on your own account before I was 10 years old, when the competition was nothing to what it is today. And I ask you to remember those facts. One who has not made his mark before he is 40 is doomed in these times. It is true, as you say, that you are rich enough for both of us, but that is not the thing. Money is only a means to an end today. What we want is power. What we are striving for is to excel. Now you made your life a success in your own way and among your own contemporaries. To live on your success would be to make my life a failure. I want my own success. And by the eternal, I'm going to have it. Mercy isn't known in business today. And the man who tries to use it will simply go down. I am sorry to see any old faithful employee have to lose his place. And if the company will pension off every one of these old men who are standing in the road of my success, instead of simply dropping them, I've not a word to say. So long as I don't hold much of the company's stock. If I did, he said lightly, that would be another matter. I see, said his father, a candid confession, and so forth. Why, certainly, sir, said Robert. And further, I will confess that I'm not as sorry to see Macdonald go as I will be to compel some of the others to retire. You think that I hold malice towards him because of the nasty work he made me do, but again, I say you do me injustice. It wasn't the drudgery or the dirty work. I never shirked either when I could learn anything by it. But Macdonald, because he was your friend, was not just to me for fear of appearing to favor my father's son. I lost time, one whole year under him. That's gone forever out of my life and I neither forget nor forgive such things. That one year may make the difference between success and failure. Who knows? Someday I may want to be president and I've known more than one man to fail because he came on the scene one year too late. Of course I feel sorry for the other boys who were apprentices at the same time and who today are only skilled machinists or underbosses but it would not be believed if it was told them. And anyway, we've got to have privates in the army of labor as well as in the regular army. And we've found that army methods of treating the men under one are the only methods that will keep them from ultimately getting the upper hand. So we have adopted those methods. And yet you wonder when Arndt or any of the others rebel, interjected his father. Wonder, not I, said his son. I wouldn't stand what they have to, not for a minute. And as for Arndt, I am glad that he gave me a chance at him so promptly. Arndt is a leader in the Union, and I am not going to be able to get along with any of them. No, sir, I'm not going to blacklist him, although you and he, I think, expect me to do so. But I'm not certain that he did not force my hand today in order to not obey a single command of mine. Anyhow... I'm simply going to weed out of my department every man who won't or can't do the best possible work for the company, and incidentally for me. For any man who has a sickly wife, or a profligate son, or a store bill hanging over him, isn't going to be able to put his whole mind on his work, like one who is without these encumbrances. And my department must show such returns in the next six months that the superintendent shall step down, or on, and I'm going to step up. "'Yes, sir. I've allowed six months for that, and I have the remainder of the career approximately mapped out. What is to become of those whom I displace, you ask? I really cannot tell you, sir.' "'Well,' said his father, "'that sounds very nice for Robert Endy, Jr. But let me ask you one question. Is that the road to success in business today?' "'It is the only one I have ever heard about,' said his son.' I've studied the lives of successful businessmen of this and past times, and while they give tremendous sums to the public for various reasons, but chiefly to ease their consciences, I think, and I may do the same someday, after they have succeeded, yet the methods they took to get the money were identical with those I propose to use. They simply employed the labor and skill of other men, and paid them only a moiety of what it was actually worth to them and to the world, In other words, they were masters of men, and I intend to be one also. I do not intend to be unnecessarily unjust or cruel, but I do not intend to fail on account of any softness at the wrong time. I have but one life to live. How about the next one? said his father, interrupting him sternly. Now, sir, said Robert, I'll just tell you what I heard a friend of mine, who is already a very successful businessman, say. He was asked to subscribe to the salary of a preacher whom I know that he never goes to hear and whom he personally dislikes, and I was surprised to see the largeness of his subscription. When I asked him about it, he said, Why man, have you never thought of that? Certainly I subscribe to the salary of everyone they give me a chance at. A good dose of cash shuts the mouth of the pulpit as well as of the press, and we have got to keep the poor and middle classes believing in a Bible that tells them to remain in subjection to the powers that be, and in a hell and a devil in the future, or they will make both articles for us on short notice in the present. Remember the reign of terror in France. And so, it is good business to pay largely for the police power of the church. Those are business methods and reasons, sir. Then, said the old man, thank God that I am out of what you designate business. I have another name for it. I am going to call it McDonald's in the morning. I had wondered why he did not come to see me last week, but I hear that he has not been well enough to be at the works these last few days. I'm going to offer him a job of some kind, though what it'll be I cannot now imagine, for he's infatuated with his position in the works, to keep him from eating his heart out at this blow it is not money he needs. Grant me this much, that you will defer action on his case for two days. Oh, said Robert, that is easily done. I've plenty of others to start on, and the superintendent has given me a free hand. All he asks of me is results and finished work. That secures his promotion. Well, sir, said his father, I've been afraid for some time that your environment was making you a selfish, hard man and I only hope that you will receive in the day you ask for mercy a different quality than you are dealing out today. I'm no worse than other successful men, said Robert. I'm a product of my time, and as for mercy, I'll not ask for any. There's no such thing in the universe. Self, in one form or other, rules the world, and even the God most men worship is said to condemn or save his creatures solely for his own glory. Why do you expect me to be better than he? You know as well as I do that those who follow the teachings which make men renounce wealth and all those things the world covets are despised and looked down upon and considered failures as much now as when Jesus Christ was alive. I am no hypocrite. I consider the socialist with his insane and unworkable doctrine of equality of opportunity and plenty for all simply a fool for his pains and the rest of the world is divided into but two classes, those who are rich and those who want to be. I am of the first class, but differ forever from most of them in that I make no pretense to be shaping my conduct by the pattern of Christianity. I say that no rich man, to my knowledge, is one step beyond the Jehovahic doctrines of an eye for an eye, nor, indeed, are they up to them. His father looked steadily at him for several minutes, and then said, I am truly glad to be able to agree with you on at least that latter point, and I mean it when I say that I am thankful to hear such a candid opinion on my own life, though I am aware that you did not mean it to be personal. It is true, too true, that we live unjustifiably for self. I have long been aware that my own life was not beyond reproach. But his son would listen to no more and exclaimed, "'Do me justice, sir, do me justice. I was speaking in general terms, and certainly the only reproach that could be placed on you is that you continue to share in the profits of the very corporations whose methods you condemn. And there, any one who knows you will be aware that, living retired as you do, you are probably ignorant of what is being done in the world today.' "'Such ignorance is culpable,' said his father emphatically." For no man has any right to live in the past as I have done, even though it was for a praiseworthy object. His son looked inquiringly at him, but as he received no encouragement, he simply asked, The two days will give you enough time to soften the blow to MacDonald? Yes, said his father. But the blow had fallen. End of chapter three.